Welcome to Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Snell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. All right, Willie, we just finished up with your Billington panel striking the balance, building a smart workforce, and increasing automation. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, um, what were some things that jumped out at you during this panel? Maybe things that you hadn't thought about or just like what struck you? Well, first of all, it was it was a phenomenal panel. Um, the the caliber of a panelist was, you know, top notch. You've got DOD CIO, you've got academia, you know, from National Defense University, um, you've got industry. So we got a lot of, of interesting insight. Um, and I, I took a lot away from the um, from the panel and from the discussion. I think, you know, some of the things that really kind of stood out to me that I, I really hadn't, I guess, I, I, I hadn't considered from a a workplace standpoint and um, things that I've always talked about. So for example, AI is not replacing right. the workforce. We've, ta we've, we've talked, talked about this every time we yeah. talk about AI. Right. It is not replacing. Yeah. I loved yeah. what Mark, so Mark, uh, oh, I can't remember his last name now. Gorick. Thank Gorick. you. Yes. yes. So he's with the- DOD. DOD, yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah, CIO, yep. Yeah, Stop. so he said, um, that ask yourself what is rote and repetitive mm -hmm. in your job. Those things are probably really good candidates it's for AI and automation. automation. Yeah, exactly. And and what I also found fascinating there is that, and, and I, I, I guess I've thought about this, but haven't really articulated it, is that, you know, for some period of time, it's not even a worry of, you know, AI taking jobs away. AI is probably going to add some some well, jobs. Well, yeah, to they, it. but they mentioned that, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. There, there's this learning curve. It will be, you know, you'll have to be retrained um, mm -hmm. because, you know, those rote repetitive tasks, those are what AI is really good at. Mm -hmm. But there still needs to be the workforce that maintains the AI that does it. You know, let's think about it from a cybersecurity standpoint. Um, AI might be really good at finding the anomaly, finding the, the you know, looking at you know hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands plus logs and and data points and finding that that in that noise, finding that anomaly that might be a, a, a real security vulnerability. And, you know, we talked about this actually before the panel began that, you know, we, you know, a hybrid workforce is great for this because you could have someone sitting at home. You don't always have to be in a SCIF. You don't always have to be in a secure facility um, like a physical government SCIF because maybe that SCIF has been translated to a local, you know, somewhere local, maybe your house, maybe it's been secured enough where you could get that alert analyze it and say, oh, this is real. Mm -hmm. That's something you right. could do. And we need those critical and thinkers to Amy mm -hmm. Hamilton with right. DOE, who's part of the um, the academia uh, No, she's program. at National Defense University. That's what she said. She's like, there's a difference between training and education. Training is teaching people mm -hmm. how to use a tool or a thing. Education is teaching people to be critical thinkers. Right. And to your point, like freeing up those, letting the AI, mm -hmm find the problem, send yep. the alert, right. now we need the critical thinkers. Right. 
because because that's the thing AIs are actually better at those menial kind yes. of monotonous tasks where where somebody that's where people make mistakes they get tired they're looking at the same screens oh, over and so over sucking. and over like it and makes me want to throw my computer out the window right and you're just <laughs> looking at a dashboard and you're just looking for that that noise trying to look for that alert and that's why you know people can make mistakes people mm. can miss that they can be tired they had a bad night they have you know they you know they're not feeling well the ai doesn't have a bad night. The AI right. doesn't get tired. Doesn't care. It it is very good at that one very specific task. Mm -hmm. And when it finds that, it's going to send it to a human that's really good and now critically analyzing that to say, the AI is saying that this is an anomaly that this might be a problem. Let me put a little bit more analytics into mm -hmm. it. Let me put some human thought into it to see this is something we really need to to execute on. Mm -hmm. And, and to the point that was, you know, added earlier that, you know, we've been, you know, we've trusted, and let's just take AI out of it, we've trusted automation for, for decades now, mm. the car industry. Mm -hmm. Right, right. There are very few people who build an actual car. I mean, there used to be the days of the assembly line where you had hundreds of people and they, they riveted and bolted mm -hmm. and built every component of that car. Robots build most of that today. Mm -hmm. We don't have a problem with that. I mean, right. this is not my, my... Well, it's become normalized. Like, in the beginning, though, I bet they had the same, you know, the same fears. The same fe yeah. yeah. And, it, and, in fairness, it did put people out of jobs. But, but there were new jobs to step into. And there were training programs to... to that this was the whole... I mean, I grew up through a lot of that, you know, mm -hmm. period of time where, you know, we were talking about, like you know, exporting jobs and automating jobs. And there were big jobs program training programs to make sure that the, the workforce was retrained. Like now some people did lose those initial jobs, but you know, we're in a market today where honestly there are more jobs than people to take. Right, them. well so, to your point, mm -hmm. you opened up the panel mm -hmm. with right now today, there are 700,000 cybersecurity so, jobs right. that are open. And that that's just not an anecdote it's for me. An underestimate. That is an, and and that and that's from the Homeland Security Subcommittee. Yeah. You know, did you know they they were interviewing and um had some industry and and government experts there and th their estimate is, yeah, we we've got that's close to a million, you know, cybersecurity jobs that we need to fill. This is why yeah. AI is so important and well, automation and, is so And to important. your point, like the AI's creating new jobs, we need people, and I think uh, Mark actually mentioned this, we need people in those AI jobs, like mm -hmm. to create the AI, to run the mm -hmm. AI. Right. So I wanted to talk about something Alberto said. Um, they were talking about training and how do we make the workforce more comfortable with AI and with the new technology coming. And Alberto said, you know, it's our goal to make training obsolete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit. No, no, and, and it's a good point. It was it was a little bit of a divergent point, but um, where you know, say for example, Mark um, was coming from from a DoD perspective is you know how do we train the workforce? And some of these systems are very complex, and we've got to spend a lot of effort and time. Like he, I think he was saying somewhere like maybe you know spending you know a day every week in training. So you're talking about maybe, and, and we do this in industry too. We we have a lot of you know. Um, training that's given to our developers, to our cyber teams, you know, we might spend weeks or months, you know, sometimes training on secure coding practices and all. And then Alberto said, well, 
we should just be making the software more user friendly, mm -hmm. making sure we don't have to do that much training because if we have to do that much training, there might be a problem there. Right, make it uh, more intuitive. Make it more intuitive. And I'm all for that, man. All right. I just want to be able to push a button. Right, and, and, and you know, there, there was consensus across the board that UX and, and design of these applications and systems needs to be better. And the point I made um, to, to Mark, and I'm curious, you know, we, I, you know, from just our conversation in the past, I'm really big on public-private partnerships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, market mentioned kind of in their training cycles, they have feedback loops so they can get feedback into, yeah. you know, the, uh, you know, is this valuable training? Is mm -hmm. this, you know, what, what was difficult about it and so forth? And my question to, to Mark and to the panel is how can industry be exposed to some of that feedback. Yeah, is it getting back to industry? industry. And he said, no, not yet. Yeah, yeah not yet, because not yet. we, you know, th that could help us, because we, we do this from a our UX design, we'll go to customer focus groups and we'll have these different ways that we, we vet our designs and so forth, but I think it would be fascinating if we get direct feedback from, especially I, I focus on government, but I would like to get direct feedback from my agencies knowing, not just to complain about, oh, I don't like this or whatever, no, just actual feedback on this UX design is not working, right? And it is it's too difficult for my employees to navigate or to understand or the data that's coming out of it. You know, I need you know two or three people to interpret it. That's a problem, and we need to get that kind of feedback back. And uh, we don't have that kind of feedback loop coming back into at least from the at least from the the public sector. I'm yeah. not saying that. Yeah, I agree. So I want to um, move on and talk about your impressions from your panel on zero trust mm -hmm. and and securing data in a zero trust world but before we move to that one do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to mention on on this panel on automating the workforce uh, no I, I mean there was so much there um mm -hmm. i the 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 time went by so quickly I, the last question i, I made a, a point that I, I could have started a whole new panel yeah. discussion on that one topic and gone another 45 minutes so lot to digest. Um, I'm still going to need some time to decompress and, and take it all in. But I think those were what we talked about were some of the, the key points. I think also that um, one one point that um, I think stood out was um, and I think it was I think it was Mark um, who kind of mentioned this that um, and actually you know what it wasn't during the panel. We had this discussion prior to the panel that um, all of the, um, uh, what he is, is really trying to you know, make sure his, his, his organization understands is that automation, kind of what we talk about, is here to help us, it, mm -hmm. to augment us, yeah. um, to augment his force. Yes. And it was heartening to hear um, that this is kind of what I'm seeing, I see this from industry, but this is actually kind of propagating throughout the whole of, of the mm -hmm. public sector. So, you know, it's just really a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the panel that you moderated on zero trust and securing data in a zero trust world. Um, I'm just gonna start you off with what struck me the most mm -hmm. is they all hated the term. And when I say they all, like the govies especially, mm -hmm. um, really hate the term zero trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't, I haven't heard that before, have you? You know, I, I can't say I really have, not as 
fervently oh, as everyone right. was just like let's stop calling it zero <laughs> trust because you know zero means nothing there's no trust. i mean it was just it was kind of a you know um i, I can't remember um what one of the one of the panelists said they didn't call it zero trust they called it um earned trust maybe um oh, I, can't I, I got to go back and to my yeah, but 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 they they came back they out with really did not but like but but the, the the i think you know uh, another thing that also came you know uh not in the panel but you know after the panel um i was talking to um, a couple of individuals who were sitting there and um one thing that I think the panel wanted to get across, but a lot of people in the, the audience wanted to, everyone to understand is that zero trust is, this is not new. Right. I mean, it is a, it's, it's, you know. Well, Shane said, we've been doing this forever. This yeah. is cyber hygiene. Shane, this is just, plain, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to get to. This is just good cyber hygiene. This is, you know, in these ideas about, you know, zero trust, you know, the DOD um, and even industry have been, um, you know, really championing this type of, not really zero trust, but you know, um, um, constant verification, re-verification, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, of identity and credentials. This is, you know, this has been something that has been around for many years. Now, post solar winds, post law for J, post all of these, you know, these, and it's just becoming more and more important that this is, you know, the industry and public sector, um, private sector and public sector really um, start to embrace mm -hmm. this across the board because it is in our nation's best interest. Yeah, but it's not anything new. So that's what I, uh, it's just something I exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, and I I really liked the different perspectives that we had. So we had Shane Barney, and he was CIO at DHS. So yes. he's immigration. Yeah, and his view of the data and what they do with it and how they manage it was vastly different. Right, and Jerry kept pointing this out. So Jerry. Karen, mm -hmm. um, he's the CIO for the Department of Commerce. Right. And he's just like, yeah, the way you look at data, what you need to do with data is really different mm -hmm. than the way I do. No, that, and yeah. we talked about, um, you talked about them sharing sharing data, mm -hmm. maybe not even sharing data, but sharing policies right. and like how to secure the data. And they're like, yes, and we have different missions. Right. Well, and I think that was brought up. They do have different missions. Um, it, it was funny because a lot of things came up. It was different missions, different funding structures where, you know, I think uh, Shane comes from a world where, um, unlike most agencies, oh, yeah. they're, they're revenue generating. He has his own money. He's, He's got like, his I own don't money. need anybody's so, money. <laughs> so, you know, he was, you know, they, they, a lot of these things are, you know, they're not fighting for budget. They're, you know, these are kind of right. key to the, to the mission. Um, but also, I think it was interesting that, you know, you're talking about sharing data um, and we talked a lot about sharing data, data classification and so forth, because a lot there's a lot of interagency sharing between, um, especially with like with um, DHS and, you know, that's that cyber hygiene is important across the whole. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be because you're as you're only as strong as your weakest link. And mm -hmm. so if you're sharing this data. Um, it, it's got to be common, you know, we got to have a common framework across the board. So we're we're all confident that this data is is maintained and secured and so forth. So I think a lot of that conversation was um, kind of revolved around that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I actually my favorite comments, probably my the whole panel, they were funny. That was something that jumped out at me, especially Jerry mm -hmm. and Shane, man. 
they have they were on a roll. They oh were yeah, like a comedy. Team. Yeah, they were they were riffing off each other. I think somebody made the point. So, <laughs> so cybersecurity professionals are not supposed to be this funny, but they oh my it gosh. was it was we good. Were, the audience we were laughing the whole time. But yeah. my probably my favorite standout comment was uh, Travis Rosick. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the public sector CTO for Rubric. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, you know, you can secure and you can have this defense in depth, but then you've always got the human factor. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, which is, is very critical. I mean, and, and I think this is always the case that the, the human's usually gonna be the, the weakest oh, link. We're always the weakest, the weakest link. link. Um, and, um, but that's why that constant re-verification right. is, is so critical. Um, and, and I was, you know, uh, again, kind of going back to, None of this is news. I mean, I go back to my, you know, pre my life at, at Donatrace. Um, I worked um, in the finance sector um, and uh, I go back, you know, 20, 20 plus years um, working in IT and finance, mm. which obviously we not only government regulation, so we have to be extremely, you know, we our data is very sensitive, it's customer data, um, any compromise of that data would, you know, not only breach com- customer confidence, but also that would be a f- criminal, you know, that would be a federal offense, um, especially if some of this data got out. So we were always very sensitive to how do we protect it. And, you know, I just think about like these ideas about re-verifying and re- I, I remember, you know, when I first started off, if I go back 20, 25 years, going into bank branches where tellers would literally have their passwords mm-hmm. taped onto their <laughs> to their monitors, which I, I, back then I'm just like, come on people, we can do better than this. But you know, fast forward about 10 years, it only took one or two breaches um, for all of industry to figure out, we've got to get cyber, our cyber hygiene and under control. So I remember, constant training you know 10 15 years ago on how we do um how do we Mm -hmm. protect data how do we protect our customer data the customer data is the most important thing and then i remember our first big data center move you know when i walked into that brand new data center i had my brand new badge you walk in you badge into the door you walk past the door you go to security they see your badge Mm -hmm. you go to the turnstile you have to badge into the turnstile Mm I'll go to my desk, I log in. Everything, I'm, yeah, I'm constantly verified. in the building, it doesn't every, mean you have access to everything Every in the door. I yeah. mean, if I go to the raised floor, I had, you know, my, my job meant that I had to have access to the raised floor. I went through five doors, each one with a, a batch reader, and then the last one, a batch reader and a biometric yeah, I scan. I was going to say, you probably had additional. With a man trap in the yeah. middle, and all it's of, a man trap. Well, are I we think, talking like Mission Impossible? Well, like, y- yeah, like you have one door on one side, one, and like if you if you oh, could, no you way. could get stuck in like Did the twin. Did you ever get stuck? I well, I won't talk about that. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, especially if if you had, um, but but you you couldn't get you had to get someone to get you out. And and the thing is is that you know these ideas that was physical security. Yeah. But you know that that I, in my mind that's just it, it translates. Yeah, it translates because yeah. we're constantly revealing. And, and even on top of that, when I got into the race floor, mm. I couldn't open up a cabinet without actually running my badge over yeah. it, verifying that I could Continual go in, and it would open the door. It would open the door yeah. and let me in. And then I have to log into the system. Yeah. You know, just in that conversation, that there were like 15 re-verifications before I actually got to the server yeah. to log in. So, I mean, these aren't new, con- that, was, that was, yeah. was 20 years ago. Right, right. So. And it's just applying what we already know about good security right. to to the new ways of, and 
your panel today. You know, AI is not going anywhere. Right. Figure out how to use it. Right. Cyber is not, this is our world. Right. We are a digital cyber right. world and we can either embrace it and learn it and educate ourselves right. or we're, um, we're going to be left behind, but worse, we're going to get hacked, we're well, going to get breached. This is a great point that was brought up by the panel, is that we can't fear these things like generative right. AI. We've got to embrace it, we've got to use it, we've got to figure out how to use it and use it right and use it appropriately, but we have to figure out how to use it because you know who else, who's using it? Our adversaries. Everybody, yeah. And and I, I, um, I think it was uh, Dr. Amy um, who Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. who mm -hmm. mentioned that, uh, um, she has an exercise where, um, and I didn't actually realize you could do this, I'm gonna try it when I get home, but you can go to your, your favorite generative AI program and say, create me a phishing email. Oh, that's right, yeah. And, yeah. and she and said- And it does that, a really good job. And it's very realistic. Yeah. And, and, our, and, and the hackers have access to this. Yeah. The adversaries have access to it and probably a lot more. Exactly, and, and, so, and we, we need to embrace it. Um, all right, well, we wrap up our special edition at Billington. Mm -hmm. Any other impressions since you've been to the conference? Uh, nothing more than, you know, as always, Billington is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal conference. Um, you know, this is our second year here. Hopefully we'll be here many, many years um, um, afterwards. Um, you know, just kudos to the Billington team, um, to all the speakers, to everyone here, because uh, I, I, I learn something every time I come here. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. I do too. And it really is the A-list of the government leaders yep. Yep. that are here and yep. industry too. I love that every panel has a mix of industry and government, get the different perspectives. I love that the government leaders are saying, we need to do better at partnering yes. with industry. Yes. Because even five years ago, mm -hmm that wasn't the case right yeah and and um and it's not lip service i i really i'm seeing a lot more action yeah. than I, i've had in the past so and, and i think it's it's just it it's inevitable um mm -hmm. uh, you know as the threats become greater um you know th we have to lean on each other we you know um we're in this together we as, are in this together and duncan mm -hmm. one of my like heroes heroes yeah yeah, yeah, not, yeah. I, i'll just say it. yeah i'll say it she, right? she's awesome she's awesome yeah we're in this this is us mm -hmm. this is not us versus them mm -hmm. this is we're all in this together, together. yeah all right all right well, thanks willie always a pleasure thanks for joining tech transforms sponsored by dynatrace for more tech transforms follow us on linkedin twitter and instagram